Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode of the Chris Johnston Show is brought to you by Sports Interaction. Sports Interaction is your homegrown sports book where local takes on an entirely different meaning, focusing on the teams, games, and players that matter to you. Sports Interaction is on the ground on top of local trends and offering prop bets that you'd never even imagine existed. And now they're introducing the Locker Room, the first of its kind in Canada, a live watch party for the biggest games of the week. Sports Interaction, your homegrown sports book. Go to sportsinteraction.com slash STPN to open an account and bet local. 19 plus, please play responsibly. If you have questions or concerns about your gambling or the gambling of someone close to you, please go to Connex Ontario. Uh, I know that some in our audience know the finer points of hockey. The Chris Johnston Show. We are your friends. The biggest stories bringing you inside the game. What did you hear? Powered by Sports Interaction, your homegrown sports book. Always remember to bet local. Here's Chris with your host, Julian McKenzie. Part of the game. Pack show for us on this Monday. We're going to talk about the Heritage Classic. Evgeny Dadanov and the Ottawa Senators will also be a topic of discussion. We'll have you can bet that. But we are going to talk about Adam Johnson to start. Tragedy hitting the hockey world. Unfortunately, a former member of the Pittsburgh Penguins playing a game out in the UK over the weekend. Part of a freak accident involving a skate blade uh, hitting his neck and unfortunately passes away after that incident. There's There's a discussion to be had about neck guards and the safety on that point and other stuff with that regard. But CJ, we should start with this unfortunate loss and some of the different stories and tributes that have been pouring out uh, in light of, of what happened. It seems as if according to some of those stories, Adam was this great personality, this person who smiled a lot, who was so thankful for the handful of games he got to play in the national hockey league scored one goal, but that's a goal. Obviously he was going to treasure for the rest of his life. Would love to know your thoughts on 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 Adam Johnson, if you can. Sure. You know, one of the things I've heard from a few former teammates actually is that he was really known for a sense of humor, kind of a under the radar sense of humor within the dressing room too. And and you know, obviously someone that loved the sport. And I think what what strikes me in moments like this, and and you know, it really was tragic circumstances over the weekend to to hear this, even if you don't know the player, is it's just how small the hockey world is. I mean. You, you scroll through his hockey DB page. He he did play those games with with the Penguins, but also in his time in the NCAA ranks. Obviously, he's spent a lot of years in the American Hockey League. He's he's touched uh, a lot of lives of players all over the NHL now. And so, I think that you feel the the loss almost collectively as a community in hockey. Um, you know, there's there's really nothing good that can be said about the circumstances in which this happened. Just just an awful thing. Um, you know, a terrible way to have someone's life cut so short, so painfully short as as Adam Johnson's was, and and um, you know, just uh, I thought Rob uh, or Mike Russo, rather, sorry, uh, did a nice tribute on the Athletic in terms of talking to some some people that knew him back in Minnesota where he was raised, and and you know, really, your heart just goes out to his family. I mean, um, no one's life should be lost playing a sport, 
uh, even a sport that can be as dangerous as hockey at sometimes. And so I think that it, it really does hit home with a lot of different people and all over the Absolutely. globe that love this game. Uh, the one goal he scored, uh, I don't remember if I had mentioned it already, the one goal he did score uh, was against the Minnesota Wild in Minnesota. Uh, which I, which is pretty pretty surreal to think about when, with regards to where he's come from and, and and what he was able to do coming up from Minnesota to get to that point. Uh, but yes, our, our thoughts and prayers are, are with are with his family and with his loved ones at this time. Uh, a bit of a really tough situation to to process, I can imagine, for that family. And and you did mention the fact that Mike Russo uh, wrote a really great tribute. Uh, there have been some other articles that have come out in light of this too, including uh, one from Mark Lazarus uh, that also kind of caught my attention. Uh, with regards to neck to neck gear and and protective gear, and it's it's a discussion that I think a lot of people are going to start talking about in light of 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 what happened here, where we're seeing people already asking, "What's it going to take for the National Hockey League to step in and say, okay, we are going to make this mandatory?" And we've seen people say, "Hey, you know what? I stopped wearing this because it wasn't." comfortable to wear or whether they have their reasons for for doing so uh, just this morning uh you had put out a tweet about the english ice hockey association uh mandating neck guards as of december 31st and the only reason why it's not happening sooner is because of supply issues and you could tell me if i'm wrong but with some of the other unfortunate issues and 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 freak accidents we've seen in the nhl like a clint Marlarchuk or or richard zetnik I can't think of any other league, uh, I guess, beyond the junior ones who have stepped up and said, OK, we are going to make this part of equipment mandatory. So I, I, I wonder if something like this, even if it is a second division, uh, a tier league for in England, if that does anything to change people's minds here in North America about this. I wonder if discussions like what we're having right now play a role in all of this or, or, or public outcry. I'd like to know where your head's at with this. Well, what I can tell you with certainty that this has done, Julian, is, is it started a lot of discussion and discussion in meaningful places. You know, I, I look at the DEL in Germany, which has said that they're going to talk with their players about potentially mandating this. You know, neck protection has been mandated in leagues like the Liga in Finland and in Sweden. Uh, and, you know, people will tell you over there, I, I should note that, that maybe the, the, the type of neck wear that some players wear isn't, up, you know, adequate, doesn't, doesn't do a good enough job to prevent it. So it's not to say that. There isn't work to be done there, but I, I, I do think that these conversations are happening. And, and you know, with the NHL itself, this, you know, the skate cut story, they, it, it's always resonated with me how scary it is. Honestly, I remember Ilya Mikheyev's skate cut, uh, I think it was in 2019, when he played for the Maple Leafs in New Jersey. I was covering the Leafs closely at that time. And just how frightening it was, frankly, to see the trail of blood as he went off the ice, the way his body language changed. It was just kind of like a, an innocent sort of collision he had and, the franticness in, in his voice, you could hear him in the arena. Um, and so I've been sensitive to this story, and I, and I do know people in the NHL's head office have been. I mean, Rod Pasma works uh, as a vice president in, in hockey operations for the NHL, has really championed this. He cataloged every single incident that there is. He's, he's you know, pushed conversations forward. Uh, the topic was brought up last year at the general manager's meeting uh, in November uh, about, you know, maybe grandfathering in some rules. And what we had this year, in fact, is the American Hockey League and the ECHL have mandated wrist sleeve protection and detection on, on protection on the Achilles on the back of the leg for all players. And this was a result of the NHL discussion. I think it's a sign of what's probably going to happen in the NHL at some point. Now, that doesn't get to the neck issue. And I think it's, it's quite fair to say from my conversations, for those that really understand the equipment in, industry well, that, that neck coverage might be the, the more, most challenging of the areas 
of the body to protect against these kind of cuts. That being said, there are, you know, neck guards available. There are base level tops that have some form of neck protection on them right now. And I know that there are actually some strides being made in terms of the cut resistant equipment that is going to be put in to neck guards where, you know, I spoke for a story at the athletic with a gentleman by the name of Greg McNeil, who's an equipment manufacturer at Toronto. He spent 10 years of his life. This has been his life uh, purpose, frankly, this is in retirement for him to, to, to try to prevent state cuts in hockey, to, to push the conversation forward. And he said that, that, you know, in his opinion, um, you know, something like what happened to Adam Johnson would be preventable with this new breakthrough that's happened with, with the, the kind of material that can be put into neck guards. And so, you know, I, I don't want to at all try to spin this into a positive. I mean, the man's life is lost. It's, it's awful, but I can say for sure that I think that there's already been a push behind the scenes before this incident happened on the safety front and knowing that, that skate cuts have been an issue. And I would expect the velocity maybe of some of those conversations going to pick up now in light of this tragedy that's happened over in England. By the way, uh, for those who are subscribed to The Athletic, uh, obviously we'd love for you to subscribe to The Athletic if you're not. But uh, Chris has the piece, uh, Hockey Equipment Expert, on how to avoid another on-ice tragedy, 100% preventable. That's the latest story that he's dropped on this. Uh, very much worth your time. I, I didn't play, uh, obviously, at a, at a – I didn't play just ice hockey, period. But I'm more amazed at the fact that in hearing other people discuss it, talk about – how they feel about wearing neck guards and, and the comfort level with it. And you see all these different companies who have invested into it and have, you know, created different technologies for it, but like, it's still not comfortable in Mark Lazarus, story that I, I, I referenced, there's a whole lead about how TJ Oshi read a story about someone who, who, who got cut uh, in, in, in the neck by a skate blade and, and looked into getting all these different neck protectors and still didn't wear them. And and now because of what happened to Adam Johnson, that is what's changed his mind. Like I, I find it really interesting that we are not at this point where there is something comfortable enough to to wear around your neck. And we've seen the innovations with helmets and with visors, and and we've seen enough between Clint Malarchuk. Uh, you mentioned all the other examples there. Richard Zednick is another example that I remember vividly seeing him lose lose a lot of blood. Unfortunately, like we've seen enough to 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 at least have an idea that, you know, there needs to be some kind of protection in that area with the free wrist of your neck as well, but there should be more steps to, to have that in. I get you say there could be an idea of having a grandfather, but I think it should be mandated for everybody. Well, I mean, it's, it's fair to have that. I, I think that, you know, the reason I think it will be grandfathered is because the closest comparable I can think of in my years covering the league is visors. And that's basically mm -hmm. starting with the 2012, 13 season. That's what the league said is basically anyone Entering the league from here on in is going to have to wear a visor, and that's what's happened. And we're down to just a handful of players left that, that don't have a visor that obviously were exempted from, from being forced to do that and played in the league that long. I, I, I think that that's the best path to do it. I'm with you. In a perfect world, you'd say everybody has to wear this tomorrow. But, you know, there's a, there's a huge number of logistical issues. You know, comfort's also a matter of personal preference, right? I mean, what, what TJ Oshie might find yeah. uncomfortable, I might say is just fine, or, or someone else. I mean, and, and I'm not picking on TJ by any stretch. I appreciate how open he was on the subject in that story. But, you know, this is this is some of the challenges the equipment manufacturers have run up against. And, and in fact, you know, I can tell you from speaking to Greg McNeil, the, the, the subject of the story I dropped, you know, he's been at this a long time. And it's actually his opinion that there isn't one right answer. He wants, he's calling for all equipment manufacturers to try all sorts of different things because he understands that what works for four players in a room might not work for the two guys over here. And that, 
you know, really the point is giving a range of options that players can try to protect all the real danger zones on the body from skate cuts. And eventually, you know, it, you get to a point where you can mandate it because there, there is something for everyone. And, and you know, I, I think that that neck protection, I, I mean, it's almost silly for me to speak from my personal experience because it's so long ago that I played minor hockey. You know, I do remember, though, it's sort of hot and, and chafes around the neck. Obviously, you're sweating in that environment. Uh, you know, I was forced to wear a neck protection as a, a kid growing up in Canada. It's been that way as long as I can remember. Um, so, you know, you do get used to it. But, you know, as I say, I, I think we have to start with the, the youth leagues as much as anything. I mean, I, I want to protect NHL players and American hockey league players as well. Don't get me wrong. But in a lot of cases or almost every case, we're talking about adults in that case. And, and you know, ultimately, an adult has a choice uh, with risk. I mean, they, they tell you not to smoke. You know, you can still smoke if you want. Um, you know, it's not mandatory to, to do anything at a certain age. And so I think it's it's good to we, we try to change the habits while they're young or, or create a habit where it's just normal to wear this stuff. Uh, at the top level, of course, I think there's a lot of push to have even more cut resistant fabric. I, I can tell you, having spent two hours on the phone with Greg McNeil in the last two days, you know, he's talking about this A9 is, is the level of cut resistance that is now being put into equipment. He said it's it's 300% better than what they've already had in terms of being more cut resistant. And so I think that there actually have been a lot of breakthroughs in terms of the kind of materials out there available. And so I think we're going to get to a point, hopefully, where everyone recognizes this. Because obviously the catastrophic injuries get your attention. I mean, having this, this Adam Johnson situation, I mean, just horrible, awful, nothing good to be said about it. But we've had so many other players with close calls too. I mean, like it's it's not as uncommon as you think. It's obviously very... It's, it's rare that we're having a player die on the ice in the way that Adam Johnson did, but it's still even not that rare. There's a 16-year-old that died less than two years ago playing a game in Connecticut uh, in the U.S. And so, you know, between the number of, of players that are just getting cut and maybe don't have injuries that make headlines, uh, to some like Evander Kane that, that gets stepped on and they miss several months of game action, that, that creates some attention. And unfortunately, when you have a death, I mean, I think when you add it all up, the signs are pointing you in an obvious direction here. But I think what it... it takes is going to take is the equipment manufacturers working with the leagues working with the players I, this is not a you have to do this type of, i think it's it's about collaboratively finding solutions here um because there is there's going to be a shortage i mean i've seen today you know american hockey league seth appert out of rochester patrick williams had a tweet said that that you know they're encouraging their players to wear neck guards so we're doing it on top of that tweet connor carrick who's who's playing uh uh, down in Coachella Valley now in the American Hockey League said he would get one as soon as his team could. I'm sure those conversations are happening at a level um, well, well beyond that. And so now it's about getting the right equipment available to the right players and hopefully, you know, find some options that might be more comfortable for those that have resisted them in the past. Because I, you know, I think it's it's quite evident we want the athletes to be safe. And, and frankly, how sharp the blades are, now we're talking the pro game, how fast the players skate, how big the, the men are, the way they collide at the force. I mean, it, it's just too easy for these things to happen as total accidents. And, and you know, I think it's incumbent upon the sport not to just say, well, it's unavoidable. I think we have to look for the solutions. Very well said, CJ. Uh, this is definitely going to be a story we're going to be following uh, as changes arise, I'm sure. I, I, I do not think this will be the last we'll talk about this story. Uh, we do have some other topics we will get to before the end of the show. It is Monday, uh, so we are going to have Ask CJ. We've had a ton of questions come in. Uh, they could be about anything. Could be hockey questions. Could be food questions. Could be 
I don't. What's a really what's flying, a really I'm unique topic that I literally did not look once at the queue, so I don't. I don't have an idea of any one question you might have chosen from. So here's here's the funny thing about that. Normally, either you will or I will put out a uh, a call out for questions, and I'll try to at least get a sense of what those what's questions flavor, are right? like what, before I prevent them. What's the flavor yeah. exactly? I asked you to put out a call out minutes before I drove three hours from Edmonton to Calgary. So like I don't I like even me like we'll get what we get there we'll get there. But even me at, at the time of this recording, I do not have a sense of what has been asked today. That's uh it's gonna be a we are flying blind let's, to say the least. Let's hope let's hope we don't go right into the ditch because that's that's what this is the recipe for right now. Okay, well, the, no one will be going into any ditch, CJ. Don't worry, I got this. I just wanted to make that point. Uh, but yeah, we'll talk about uh, my weekend in Edmonton and uh, the Nickelback concert that occurred in the middle of all of that. Of course, it was a hockey game too, uh, but we'll get to You Can Bet That first. Welcome to You Can Bet That. Remember to hit up sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN for all of your gaming needs. Let's take a look at the odds for the Calder Memorial Trophy. Connor Bedard is the betting favorite at 1.57. Uh, just around the top five, Logan Cooley, Luke Hughes from the New Jersey Devils, Adam Fantilli, and Boston's Matt Patra. Uh, those guys in the running for the Calder Memorial Trophy. CJ, who you got? Well, I mean, you'd be a fool to go against Bedard, but, you know, he got a lot of hype from our show, from basically anywhere in the hockey world that's had a chance uh, to discuss it. And so, you know, I, I think we should tip our hat to, to guys like Patra, even Fantilli, you know, from what I've heard, he's on some nights been Columbus's best player in the early going of this season. And, you know, you're talking about a player not yet 10 full games into the start of his NHL career. And so, you know, some of these players have really made a seamless jump. Uh, I, I think Bedard, uh, I just, I can't imagine placing any wager against him in the race. Um, just, just given what I think he can be and what he is, but that's, that's not to say by any stretch of the imagination that there aren't a number of uh, great young players out there uh, playing the first season. I'll say this though, uh, seeing Logan Cooley at 850, second best odds to win the Calder trophy, considering the preseason that he had, especially that sick goal he scored in preseason. Remember that, that game from down under, you know, if I was really feeling frisky, it wouldn't, I, I don't think you're that wrong to to put some money on that pick. Just say, I don't know. What's it going to take, though? I mean, it feels like he's going to really yeah. have to go and go and take. I mean, I just I think you have to, I guess, out, out point or outscore someone like Bedard That's to get the what's job done. Have to happen. Don't forget to check out sportsinteraction.com/sdpn for all the best odds before game, in game. Sportsinteraction.com/sdpn. This episode of the Chris Johnston Show is brought to you by BetterHelp. Do you ever feel like your brain is getting in its own way? Like, you know what you should do, what's good for you, but you just can't do it? You know, you're laying awake in your bed, thinking about all these different things that, you know, they might be personal thoughts, but they ultimately keep you up at night. I know therapy has helped me out in the past, and I know it can help you out too if you want to use it. Therapy helps you figure out what's holding you back so you can work for yourself instead of against yourself. And BetterHelp is a really good resource to use if you want to use it. It, it's helpful to learn positive coping skills, setting boundaries, being the best version of yourself. And you can all do that just by talking to a professional who's willing to give you that time of day. 
if you're thinking of starting therapy, again, I implore you to give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you could even switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Make your brain your friend with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Johnston today to get 10% off of your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Johnston. CJ, there's a really interesting story developing with Evgeny Dadanov and the Ottawa Senators. I have to admit, the last few days, I've been preoccupied with the Heritage Classic. So you really got to help me out with this one. And please fill in the holes on where I think I got this wrong. But we remember when Dadanov was with the Senators and it gets shipped off to... When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Vegas and then Vegas tries to flip them to Anaheim but there's a no trade clause that kind of blocks that from happening and we all thought okay Vegas was trying to run this guy out they're the ones in the wrong but Vegas's complaint is how the senators never really told them that about this about some of the specifics of this no trade clause and they are still still angry about it and it seems as if there might be new information that really puts Ottawa in a bad light here. Do I have this right? I'm, I'm literally doing the thing where you're, you're pointing at one thing, you're pointing at another thing, and you're just crossing your arms, hoping you got everything right. What am I missing? Why are we here? Let's talk about this. Well, from a high level, you've got, you've got the, the oh, thank God. correct. I mean, this is the, a trade at the 2022 NHL trade deadline that was essentially reversed. It was a trade that you know, Vegas thought it was completing to send Dadnov to, to Anaheim and it turned out that Anaheim was among the, the teams on a limited no trade clause he had. Problem for Vegas was they didn't know he had a limited no trade clause. And, you know, the reason I think that, that they pursued justice in this case is because that's not how the system's designed to work. And, and you know, before we even dive into this, because I, I get that not all the listeners probably would realize this, the NHL trade clause situation is a little bit like the Wild West. I mean, some players are known to have a full no movement clause, it's called, or maybe a full no trade clause. That's that's pretty obvious what that means. You can't move that player without, you know, first getting his signature signing off on that move. But for the players, and there's a huge number of them in the league that have, say, like 10 teams they can't go to, or 15 or five, or whatever the number negotiated to their deal is, you know, in a lot of those cases, the players simply have to send that list to the team each year on a certain date that's spelled out in the contract. And there's no sort of central database that keeps that information of what players chose. And there have been times in the past, I'll, I'll point you, for example, to Patrick Berglund, uh, you know, who got traded from St. Louis to Buffalo, essentially at the time because his agent or he, depending on who you believe in that story, but nobody sent the trade list by the time it was supposed to have been submitted. Uh, and so in that case, he lost the, the right to his trade protection and he got dealt to Buffalo. And so in this case, the, the Golden Knights, and the NHL, it sounds like we're both led to believe that Dadnov did not file his no-trade list uh, before the, the appointed deadline in his contract. So when the Golden Knights initially acquired him, they did so under the belief that he did not have any trade protection whatsoever. And, of course, they found out the, the wrong way or the unhappy way 
when they tried to trade him at the deadline and had that that move um, rescinded or blocked. And so, you know, what we're talking about is, I mean, procedurally, this is a little bit of a mess in general for, for any NHL contract. But in this case, you know, the Golden Knights have wanted to see uh, some justice done, I think, for lack of a better word. And it sounds like the NHL's investigation is down to its 11th hour, that, that there's, you know, the league is at a point or a position right now where it's close to, um, you know, administering a punishment here. And it does sound as though, according to sources, that the senators are going to get hit with some kind of punishment as a result of the way this all happened. And so, you know, I think at that point in time, we'll probably get a better, clearer explanation of exactly who said what and when and why this happened. Um, but, you know, it's it's tough news for the, the Senators franchise if, you know, everything in the air is is pointing to them, you know, potentially having to say forfeit a draft pick as a result of this, this whole scenario playing out. Um, and so, you know, we'll just have to see when it comes down. But that that's what it sounds like, that they're going to have to give up a draft pick as a result of this. And, and clearly there's a message being sent about, you know, you, you can't, you can't, Here's the thing. I don't know how it happened. Maybe Ottawa didn't realize for some reason that the trade clause had come in or, you know, but, you know, basically you're responsible for reporting that accurately what a player's contractual status is when you're making this. Why don't we have a central place where we can figure out who not only I mean, obviously, there's cap friendly. We can discover contracts that have no trade clauses or no movement clauses. Why isn't there a central place, even if it's not for the general public? Just for NHL teams, for GMs, for agents, why isn't there a place where people could figure out who which teams are on someone's no trade clause? Why does that not exist? Well, it hasn't come up that I'm aware of as an issue until this situation. So probably the reason it doesn't exist is that it, there was never a problem. If you know what I'm saying, like it, the system see, appeared to be working fine Jesus. until this happened. Now I know in the wake of the Dadnov situation, there has been some discussion at the league level about doing that, but my sense is that that's kind of been abandoned. So I, I don't know that we're going on the path to where there will be a centralized uh, list kept like that. You know, I could see why they don't want that falling into the wrong hands, that, that sort of information. Um, you know, just given reporters like you and I work at the kind of outlet that might love to know that, oh, out of 100 trade clauses, you know, the Canadian teams are listed on 98 of them. Or, you know, like, like the, the stuff like that could make pretty good fodder for a story. And I'm, and you know, I think that they're ultimately trying to respect that you know players negotiate the right to have these no trade clauses list that they want that to be kept private because that's essentially something they negotiate into their deals, and so that must be an aspect of it. Um, but as I say, unless something is reverse course or that I'm not aware of, I, I don't think we're going to have one of those lists. You know, clearly, if there is a punishment here, the the message being sent is if you're making a trade, you better report what's going on the same way you know you're not supposed to trade an injured player uh you know like you're supposed to disclose all that information as part of the trade process uh that's why there's a trade call right the league's on there to make sure all the details are in order the both teams mean it's the same third round pick not maybe this other one yeah. you hold or whatever it's it's to try to avoid situations like this and and um you know and so i think that that, that the purpose behind any punishment now would be in saying that ottawa didn't handle that right for whatever reason at the time and that that created a further issue and it's an issue the golden knights have not wanted to let go even though it's you know passed on now by 
know more than what and i don't blame the vegas golden knights for for wanting to fight this i mean i i, I there seemed to have been you can tell me if i'm wrong but like there was a reputation with the vegas golden knights about how they were handling players and having them leave the franchise and getting them on their teams and very much that data and off trade it was embarrassing for them we talked about it on this podcast about how weird that situation went through and now we have this added context and it's just even weirder. I don't blame the Vegas Golden Knights for, for wanting their pound of flesh at the end of all of this, considering how stupid they were made to look as a result of this. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't remember all the takes at the time, but I think the general consensus was, oh, this is Vegas, you know, trying to force a player to leave and go somewhere he doesn't want to go. Um, you know, but it, it does sound with, with much further reflection and, you know, you remove the emotion and some time and the investigation, it does sound as though, you know, they're in a spot where, you know, the league has found that they weren't really at any fault. And so, you know, I don't know exactly where this is going to land and when it's going to land, but it does seem as though it's pretty close. And, you know, it's been a tough week on a number of fronts for the Senators. Uh, you know, they've had some injury issues with Thomas Shabbat, obviously the Shane Pinto uh, gambling suspension that we covered on mm -hmm. last Thursday show. You know, this is a sort of, an issue of another making, but for a team that had so much optimism, right. You know, Michael Anlauer takes over and you know, the start of a new season dons, you know, they, they've, they've been dealt with some difficult circumstances in the, in the, you know, so what does this mean for happened. Pierre Dorian? Like uh, that's the biggest question I have in all of this. Let's say the Ottawa senators are handed out this, a punishment, a pretty stiff punishment. Does this have any impact on, on his job? I mean, he's already in, he already had a hot seat to begin with considering the pressure put on the team for the season. I'm very curious how that shakes out if it gets to a point where they lose a high draft pick, as an example. Well, and I, and I think it depends exactly what the findings are a little bit here too, in terms of what his role is. But I mean, you know, at that time, he was the head of Ottawa's hockey operations department in terms of title and responsibility. And so, you know, even if something maybe isn't always uh, your fault, I think back a number of years ago, but Dale Talon, uh, was a Chicago Blackhawks general manager and lost his job because they didn't file, um, you know, they didn't hit some deadlines for restricted free agents in terms of filing qualifying offers. Probably not the GM's exact responsibility, but ultimately everything that happens under you is mm -hmm. your responsibility. And Dale Talon ended up being fired not too long before the, you know, Chicago went and won a Stanley Cup for the first time in this era in 2010. And so, you know, not saying it's exact apples to apples here, but that that's sort of you know, it gives us an insight, though, into how teams react sometimes when, when an error has been made that's um, pretty punitive. And so you know, I think we have to sit, sit here and watch. But, but certainly Pierre Dorian's, um, you know, there's been a lot of questions about what this ownership change means for him. He's been the general manager there for a long time um, with, you know, what I call a mixed record. I think that certainly it's hard to, to – you look at the draft where he gets Stutzla and Sanderson – and I'm not saying either was off the board picks. I mean, he had two of the top five picks, but it's, it's hard to argue with the work he did there. The, the Sens have done a pretty good job finding some other players. You know, maybe haven't surrounded them with with the best you know, supporting cast at times to to be ready to take this step. But you know, he's got new bosses. There's a new owner. That owner's installed Steve mm -hmm. Stales as the president. Uh, you're getting some of you know something like this is not going to help things. I'll, I'll say that much, but. You know, I guess we have to wait and see how this shakes out. Exactly what the NHL findings are, too, I think, are important. I mean, we're we're veering into the speculative here, if I'm being honest, just because, you know, it does seem as though, you know, what I'm comfortable saying is that the Senators appear in danger here of being punished for, for their actions. 
but I, you know, I don't know where that blame is going to fall and, and exactly what has been found down to each detail. And I think that that sort of stuff is important when it comes to talking about, you know, Pierre Dorian's, uh, you know, okay. role in all this. We're definitely going to be following that story as well here on the CJ show. Uh, one more thing before we get to ask CJ your questions off of uh, discord and Twitter, let's talk about the heritage classic uh, that took place yesterday in Edmonton at Commonwealth stadium. Uh, you were probably watching from your couch. I was watching from the press box. I got to say, that was my first time being at uh, an outdoor game. The atmosphere was great. I, I really enjoyed it. I had a lot of fun just watching the game, seeing the guys pull up in their in their respective costumes for, for both teams. Uh, even the Nickelback concert wasn't that bad. I'm still not happy they didn't play Burn It to the Ground. But you know what? It wasn't that bad of a show. Plus the hockey itself. Uh, you know, they kept it interesting up until the third period. Uh, the Oilers snapped their winless skid. The Flames are are on a downtrodden path to somewhere. It's not going up for them right now. But uh, a fun hockey game was had. The experience was fun. Uh, I'll have more insight from, from the inside. I also got to see producer Nick as well. It was really good, good to see him. Uh, but I would love to know your vantage point from, uh, from watching it, if you got the chance to watch it. It looked great on TV. Uh, it compelled me to turn away from my NFL Sunday. So that's a positive Damn. sign like, and kept my attention as well. Uh, no, I'm just saying it's not that I, but I, you know, I, yeah. I was obviously going to watch it for a little period of time, but I expected to maybe be like, uh, cause sometimes the quality of the games themselves, isn't that great. It's, it's just not always conducive. It's not the player's fault. Um, uh, but you know, I actually enjoyed that game at the risk of being an old here, Julian, I got to say, I don't fully understand the like walking in in the overalls okay. thing or the, I mean, I guess it's just, it's just a team building yeah. exercise. Like I, I think of it more as like a, a, yeah, like a team bonding type of thing. I thought it was interesting that Nassim Kadri came up with his team's idea of wearing the overalls and, and the cowboy hats. There's some guys who wore shirts underneath. I probably would have been one of those dudes. Cause like, I don't, I mean, I know it wasn't that cold, but just wearing like overalls and like a straw hat, like, I don't know. I need a shirt underneath you know i don't i don't need to be exposing myself right. on the cold like that i like the oilers get up where they're wearing the full-on like i guess construction suits and the hard hats right and, and Connor mcdavid had mentioned it's a it was a little bit of a tribute to the hard-working albertans I, I i like that line but like i i i thought it was cool it's just a cool funny thing like it's all part it's already a spectacle why not lean into it and do something fun yeah it's true I guess you're leaning into the spectacle. You're, 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 you know, it does create buzz on social media. I mean, there's no denying that. Um, probably arguably more than any goal or anything else from the game that that, you know, those, those images, some of the shots, you know, if you don't know what it's about, you're like, Whoa, what is this? Right. If you're, if you're just scrolling through. And so that doesn't hurt, but I guess I actually remember was it Tampa and Nashville, Tampa played Nashville in a game a couple of years ago. And I remember they kind of, the Tampa went sort of full, full outfit and uh you know those those guys like to have a bunch of fun so yeah fair enough that's part of it i'll, I'll move on and get off you know let the kids play on my lawn here that's like the most um, old take i've ever seen yeah, you have like i don't know you as a guy who has like okay boomer takes well i'm not like oh my god i should have been wearing socks. Ah. Just, you know like i'm not saying that i just i don't fully really what i was saying is i don't get it i'm not saying they can't do it or i think it's stupid but I just, I don't fully understand it, I guess, other than you're just, like, I liked it. I remember the Bruins back in the day, I think when they, they hosted the Winter Classic against Montreal, they wore, like, three-piece old-timey yeah. suits. Like, that looked pretty cool. 
I guess we're just veering into like literally almost Halloween costumes, like team Halloween costumes is almost what we're getting to. And maybe, maybe that's part of the point. We're sitting here so close to October 31st. Um, but yeah, I digress. I don't even know why I went Did you wear a Halloween road. costume this year? Well, well that's tomorrow. fair, but yeah, but like, I mean, like I this past weekend, like that would have been the time for Halloween parties and stuff like that. Like I, I didn't get to do any Halloween stuff this year. I was, I was just curious if you did. Dude, you have no idea. What <laughs> Nobody is going to a Halloween party at age nobody. 40. Like really. Like I went out with some friends on Saturday night downtown, which is not normal. And nobody would like I nobody in our age band that was like at a bar was wearing a wow. Halloween costume. Now, when I took the subway, it was Halloween costumes everywhere. And they're, you know, people in their 20s. And I get it. I'm not sorry, I'm not hating on that, but like not a lot of 40-year-olds are going out in the city or going to house parties. I mean, maybe those with kids. I don't have my own kids. So that I should that that's probably the one asterisk to apply there. But no, I didn't wear a Halloween costume mm-hmm. this weekend. But I will wear one on Tuesday to hand out candy. I like that. So. I like that. I was at a, a karaoke bar. It's like I'm not like a Baham no. about the whole thing. I just and and and, and yeah. Like I'm dressing up as a peanut butter sandwich. Like I would imagine if I was like on the TTC dressed as a peanut butter sandwich. <laughs> I forgot you mentioned <laughs> that you were gonna dress up as that. Yes, that's true. Um crunchy or smooth. You. I told you, I, I, I love both, but I, if I had to choose one or the other, I would go with smooth, but I got yeah. no hate for crunchy. I just, I'm that's a fine. Energy, I, that's I fine. think you, I don't think you could really go wrong with either. I've, I'm, I'm, I lean towards smooth, but there's nothing wrong with crunchy peanut butter. Like that's fine. I think that's totally cool. I've had some really weird experiences, by the way, recently on the subway with like people oh, really? recognizing me and. Asking me weird questions and like I don't know how much I want to go into it here because I do not want to encourage coffee hat cat behavior. <laughs> but but I'm just thinking, imagine if I had to went downtown on Saturday wearing like a peanut butter outfit and I got recognized on there. Like that would be all kinds of calamity. Where's the jelly? <laughs> <laughs> but the, the the funniest one is I was coming yeah. home from a Leafs game. At you know one of the nights or the season, obviously I'm wearing like a tie and suit or whatever. Someone asked to take my selfie on the subway, so I get up and take a selfie with them. And I sit back down beside the woman beside me. She's wearing like, like, like a nurse's kind of outfit. She's like, "Oh, what are you?" Doing? <laughs> and I'm like, "Oh, I'm a hockey journalist." And I'm like, so I'm like, "I'm a hockey journalist." She was like, "Oh, she seemed like that's what <laughs> I think she thought I was maybe someone actually famous oh, or something. Man. Oh man. And I had another incident with some dudes who were like drinking beer on the subway, who were like bringing me all their oh, loose hot takes. No, anyway, no, oh man. But I, this is what happens when you're out in the wild and you're like vaguely recognizable. Like you just never. I went out to a karaoke bar in Edmonton this past weekend, and I'm sure you've gotten to interact with uh, Tony Brar, uh, who who does some media stuff for the Oilers. Oh yeah, and that at that bar, most oh my god, like like the, the, he is. Like, you don't know how positive he is. He watches stuff and either rates it and rates it on a scale of like generational. There's another like positive quality and amazing. Like he doesn't believe in saying that watching a movie was bad. 
Tony, Tony Brown makes Tony Robbins. It's insane. Look like a he is the most positive human being you could ever come across. We sang Country Roads together at this country bar, and he just started off by doing this whole speech, just wanting everyone to come together and like do this go Oilers cheer. Like he wanted everyone to be happy. Like he's he's he is wow. he is that dude. He is that dude. But yeah, a whole bunch of people, I guess maybe around my age, maybe a little older, were all wearing costumes. And I did feel a little bit of FOMO because I did not have a a, a costume up. Uh, but uh, hey, you know, good time was had by all, I guess. It's too bad the Flames didn't include you in your plans. You could have been wearing the overalls. You know, it's funny you asked that question because, uh, well, this is probably the best time as ever to transition over to Ask CJ. I will be taking your questions off of Discord and Twitter. But uh, Christian on Discord asked... Uh, out of you, so I guess me in this case, CJ and producer Nick, who would rock the overalls hat idea the best? You think I? You, you think I'd rock it well? I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to hit Nick with a stray bullet here, but I feel like you have probably the best physique of any of us to rock it. So I'm a bit, I'm a bit bulkier. I don't. Maybe I don't know. I, I could see Nick pulling this off. I would I would laugh my ass off at producer Nick wearing this outfit. I mean, I would you would wear it. it. Don't You'd get be me fine. wrong. Like I'm not, but I just, but I feel as though I might offend some children that are too close. Like, <laughs> why? Why would you? Why would you feel it? Would you have like chest hair like sticking out? I don't know what part of me, what part of you just like spill out of that. You thing. look pretty. That's you all. look pretty good. Like, just with your physique, you've, you've done pretty well. You know, like I don't think you'd offend anybody. We're doing. We're being painfully honest here, but I, I, I'm not picking me from M W Bauer twenty nine. Uh, C J. Do you see Joseph Wool? Uh, wall or Wool? Joseph Wall, wall. the brick wall. Okay, like brick wall. Joseph Wall overtaking Ilya Samsonov as the number one goalie for the Leafs. I mean, it seems to already be happening. I know it's so early in the season, and. You know, things can change. Lots like there's there's a lot of unknowns here. But the fact that they're sending Wall out on Tuesday uh in the game against Los Angeles, based on you know him playing a few games in a row last week and having success, you know, I don't I don't know if we can say he's fully taken the job, but I think the door is open for him to take it and he's walked part way through it. Now, the the flip side of that will be he's young, he's unproven to a degree. He certainly doesn't have a, a big NHL resume. And so, you know, if Wall stumbles at a certain point, I don't know how big of a leash he'll get or how much of a safety net he's got in terms of maybe turning the net back over to Samsonov. I mean, in all seriousness, I think this will be something we got to watch for 60 games before we can even really say who's starting game one of the playoffs because it could go back and forth. And Wall has never played the kind of workload that you'd maybe want your starter to have played in a, in a given season. Samsonov has not really ever done that either. He's only played ever around 40 games at the top point. And so I, I just think let's sit back and watch it play out. But you can't deny right now that Wall has played a lot better, that he's got the majority of the wins. And I think the coaching staff want to throw him in there when there's, you know, when it, when it's a flip ball right now or a jump ball. Okay, I the first two questions ball. I gave you were from Discord. Now it's time to delve into the Twitter questions, which, again, I have not seen until this point. Uh, Carly Act. I hope my Twitter oh, yeah. crazy. What was the phrase you said off air about crazy? You want crazy in your house? <laughs> I said, you put some crazy <laughs> in my house, Julian. Be careful what you ask for, CJ. 
Uh, Carly Agro uh, has a question. Working on this contract for school, so maybe I'm biased, but based on the first nine games, how underpaid was, is Alex Dabrinkit? <laughs> wow, I mean, huge. If, if you're going to tell me he's going to have the numbers he's he's got to start the year, and I don't have them in front of me, but I know he's right up there in the, the scoring race, um, you know, you would be paying him a lot more than you are. I mean, that's... That's where we're at, man. Like that's that's how contracts go. There's always an element of risk. There's an element of risk with signing someone in the offseason or, or letting it play out. There's risk you, you sign the big contract, someone gets injured. I mean, it's it's an, you're paying for past performance. And let's face it, Debrinka didn't come off his best season last year in Ottawa. I'm sure there's a lot of reasons, you know, for that that aren't just totally on the player's shoulders. But you know, he's had a great start moving back home to to Detroit. And yeah, he looks like a bargain right now for the Red Wings, but I think it was a four-year deal. So there's there's three years and seven eighths of a year left. Uh, From John R for Chris and Julian, where would you choose to live if you could only eat the cuisine from that country? Ooh. Italy. Okay, I'll pick a Jamaica. Yeah, I'm. I'm I'll eat. I'll I'll go eat okay. ackee and saltfish all day. I'm good with that. I'm cool with that. Italy's a good pick. I'm just, I'm eating pizza for like three quarters of yeah. my meals for the rest of my life. And then on, when, when I'm mixing in something else, I'm going to like spaghetti. <laughs> That's a variety in your life. <laughs> I hope there's some vegetables in Italy. I might get a little sick at a certain point. <laughs> I'm sure you'll be fine. <laughs> I know there's tomatoes, but. Tell you what, if you eat enough pizzas over there, you'll, you'll fill it and you'll, you'll look really good in those overalls if you wear that outfit. I know, but I'll just, there won't be any pizza pizza oh, over there. Oh, no. Just be <laughs> Not pizza pizza. <laughs> what am I going to do? Oh, no. Stuck with Damn all it. Italian pizza. <laughs> Producer Drew says, stop it. <laughs> Producer Drew. Producer Drew is filling in for Producer Nick today, and he is, he's not having that comment. I don't know if we need to – look, no disrespect to Producer Drew. I don't – I think he's disqualified from talking about food. When he had that take about uh, – what was it about beets over uh, cranberry sauce for Thanksgiving, that should immediately disqualify him from discussing food in any case. I, I don't understand. I actually that's don't a that No, that's not a good alternative. I, I didn't actually hear that. He did that on the uh, on the Camp and Stew podcast. I've never, never had Drew and Stew. Drew sorry, and Stew. Camp and Stew. Whatever. Cam, sorry, my bad. Drew, Drew and Stew. Yeah. Okay, I'm in. I, I, I he he can sell me on that, even though he's crap talking pizza pizza in our <laughs> comment section here, which which is akin to challenging, you know. Oh me to my a fight, god. Basically. Okay. All right, before we before we have any more disputes break out, um, Taylor Choma, uh, maybe you're up on this, maybe you weren't. Uh, what's your favorite vault track from 1989, Taylor's version? Okay, so I'm gonna. I, I actually wanted to okay. message the group chat. What was all this 1989 all over my social? Media I'm the wrong person to ask about this. <laughs> I'm the wrong person to ask about this. Like, I'm not kidding. It was everywhere on my social media, and I'm confused. Like, that, 
Isn't like that album's I mean, been out? Yeah, forever. but I I think Taylor is like re-releasing like some of that stuff. Like that's why you see some of the stuff as like Taylor's version. Oh. I think it's like a recording. It's a recording thing. Okay. Like maybe some of the uh like there's one album, was it Speak Now? Where like a lot of the publishing and stuff like that, like that she wasn't getting all of that. And I think by her re-releasing it, it's supposed to she's supposed to get money from it basically maybe i'm not explaining it right but it's something to do with that like that's why it's being re-recorded uh, yeah okay i can get behind that i will say this as as the og yes. listeners of this show will know i do yes. like me some taylor swift but i find it a little bit difficult to keep up with everything because i'm not spending my entire day like a swifty like just devouring all the news out there and so i don't it's some stuff like that comes along. I'm like, why are people throwing parties with like 1989 balloons? Like, I don't understand this. <laughs> so you, so you weren't at any of those parties, huh? <laughs> no, I told you, man. I was over there going like yelling at a cloud, like, why are these guys wearing these outfits today? Okay, I, pre- I appreciate uh, uh, producer Drew filling us in here. So Taylor Swift re-releases the album Friday night. It's a 10-year anniversary. She gets the solo rights back to her music after 10 years. So literally, this is just her, like, just celebrating that, essentially. So that's why this is happening. Right. <laughs> oh, yeah. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> read that one out loud. All right. I'm not going to read that next one out because uh, I like my life. Uh, how about uh, from Jpox? What has been the feedback on the Frozen Frenzy that happened last week? Is this something we could see again in the future? I think it would be fun on a Saturday or Sunday and start it earlier in the day. This would have to happen after football season, of course. I think you're going to see it for sure. I mean, I, there's actually one other day already on this season's schedule that, that features it. Um, but I, I do think moving forward, the, the early returns on it seem largely positive. Like anything you do differently, I'm sure a few teams didn't appreciate a weird wonky start time. I know some games in different markets started at sort of funny hours, but it's. I think you're going to see it again. I mean, look at ESPN seemed to like it. They did their sort of knockoff of ice surfing or whatever we call that. Ice surfing. I don't know why I can't keep my head straight on that. Um, but I, I think that they liked that they're a newish league partner. I just... I think you're going to see it again. And it, look at, I know gambling probably isn't a good thing to talk about right now, given the what's happened last week. But I, I do think it's kind of interesting for people that want to bet on lots of games to, to have them just rolled out right. in succession. And uh, last one for you from a rink rat report. Uh, I'm not asked. I, I have no idea how this team played yesterday, uh, but the question from rink rat report is how about them Cowboys? Oh, I mean, that was a great What game. happened? What so, happened? I, I, I have no idea. They demolished oh, the Rams. Damn. That's why Coop. And a big week for Sean McVay. I know he becomes a father for the first time, but he looked tired of the sidelines, bud, and I think that more, more reason than one. Welcome your offspring into the world with a loss to the Dallas Cowboys. Yeesh. Jeez. Dude. Have some respect. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. I just say it's not like you're losing to the worst team in the league. Like I'm not saying you have to say they're going to win a Super Bowl or nothing like that. But like losing the Cowboys isn't that. I mean, I I get that it might be spiritually bad for you, but it doesn't say necessarily. No, the Dallas Cowboys are supposed to be like the Dallas Cowboys are supposed to be good. 
right? With all the resources that they put in. So when they win, it's like, yeah, whatever. Okay, they're supposed to win. But when they loot. They had 33 points at halftime yesterday. That's great. Good for them. They are good. That's great. Uh, no, no, I'm they not saying they're good. not good. I'm saying good for you. you you're allowed to have a good – you're allowed to ch- – like, I can't believe you You didn't see the fireworks all the way from Edmonton. No, because I was watching was the fireworks and pyrotechnics from Chad Kroger and Nickelback. That's why I didn't watch that game. I didn't even watch the Jets yesterday, and they won in overtime against the New York football Giants. I thought the Jets were kicked out of the league when... uh, No, uh, remarkably, we're still allowed to exist because seeing Jets fans suffer (laughs) gets a lot of people off. I thought you were relegated at that point. No, they have... I've not been aware of one Jets... No, uh, you're confusing the idea of relegation for, you know, the other football that happens. And no, uh, the soccer club I cheer for has not been relegated as of yet. I'm waiting for that. It probably won't happen this year. Uh, But uh, losing to Man City will have you think a lot of things. Yeah. Oh, man. Yes, sir. You're all Let's over the just place. end the show before I start crying on recording right now. Uh, thanks so much for watching uh, CJ's show on the Monday. Uh, in all seriousness, I'm not going to cry here. Uh, CJ, great show as always. We'll be back on Thursday with a brand new show. Uh, enjoy Halloween uh, and all the great costumes. And uh, well, we didn't get to do costumes this year. But you could always go back to last year when uh, CJ dressed up as a Adam West Batman. I hope that you get lots of Reese's pieces. They're not Reese's pieces. Reese's peanut butter cups Ooh, left over too. Those are good. That's my hope. Those are good. Those are like the last thing I'm giving out to the kids because those are what I want. Are you going to give them arrow bars? <laughs> you keep it. You keep it for yourself, huh? And you keep it for yourself because you're going to be the only one who's going to be able to eat those because none of those kids want arrow bars. <laughs> <laughs> we can't go into last season, man. What are you, we Jacob Markstrom? Yeah, we, we don't talk about last year. Is that what this is? <laughs> you and I don't talk about last year. We're on to we're on we're to Cleveland. We're on to Cincinnati. We're on to Cincinnati. We're on to episode one ninety five, which will be Thursday's episode. For CJ, I'm Julian. So long, and peace. The Chris Johnson Show. Powered by Sports Interaction, your homegrown sportsbook. Always remember to bet local. Inside the game, twice a week. Follow Chris on Twitter, at ReporterChris. And follow Julian McKenzie, at JK and McKenzie. The Chris Johnston Show.